0: For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast
1: in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. And six fifteen twenty four. Void where prohibited.
0: Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.
1: to another edition of the Buck Nuts Happy Hour, a spring edition as we're starting to get closer to that, at least in Columbus, Ohio, where the Buckeyes reside. I'm Patrick Murphy, and today we're going to talk some Ohio State Pro Day. The Buckeyes held that event at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Wednesday afternoon. Um, We'll discuss... Some Buckeye secondary things, uh, the defensive backfield, and, and we'll touch a little March Madness and the Big Ten and the issues that that conference has had in the tournament yet again. And to get us started, though, I'm going to bring in Tim Hall from the Buckeye Show and 97.1 The
0: Fan. Hi, Timmy. How are you? Just can't get a minute here in this studio, man. Can't get a freaking minute. You are just twenty. If you here, we go again. Just come on in, boys. You're Let's just man in, in demand. <laughs> Hi, Perry. How you doing?
1: All right, back, back to you.
0: <laughs> Well, Tim, for those who uh oh, aren't watching, for those oh, who aren't man. watching live light. who do we Life for the fan. You know, I should I should turn the microphone on amateur hour for me. That way that on air light is out there. I don't I still don't think it would work though, because they know I'm not on the air. It'd just be a light. Just doing a podcast with my buddy, but yeah, I was saying like twenty seconds before you pulled me in, Tyva's Powell just walked in mid sentence, like, "Hey Tim, you know, you never told me." Blah. I'm like, dude, I'm about to go on, and then sure enough,
1: this is what happens when you record via the internet as opposed to everybody in in one place together. But uh, how how you doing? That was probably uh, the best moment of this whole entire podcast run, though, don't you think? It was. And if you can't, if you couldn't see it live. Or you're not watching this, you're listening to the version. We're sorry you missed Tyvus popping in to say hello. Um, Tim, you, you you sipping on anything over there?
0: Yeah, we're uh we're sipping on some coffee here because I'm just really firing on my work day. I'm not a I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm not drinking alcohol right now. Uh, boy, just imagining a little Bailey's Irish cream in here, though. That would be nice. And speaking of that. No more than ten minutes ago, when I was listening to my music app on the way in, because I just got here, and Dropkick Murphys. How ironic, right? Yeah. Dropkick Murphys. Have you heard the boys are back? I don't know if I'd heard that song before. That one it's doesn't. Like the it's boys enough. are back, and they're looking for trouble. It's pretty good. It got me going.
1: All right, I'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah, I personally like the Dropkick Murphys just because of the name. Uh, I too am not drinking alcohol today. I've got water here. It's actually the second straight podcast I've drank water. I am committed to my uh, fitness. We got the weather's turning, summer's coming up. Got to get back in shape for the pools, so uh, I'm gonna go to the gym once we're done here. So can't be drinking well, beer and then going
0: to the gym, right? And that just doesn't. Well, doesn't. I've I've seen you at these media availabilities, and you wear these shirts. You wear these shirts that sort of show the pecs and the guns. I think Pat Murphy is hitting that bench. I think he's hitting the bench, baby.
1: Yeah, today's not a bench day, but uh, I try to stay in decent shape. Doesn't always work, but I've committed to going today. So anyway, enough about all that. Let's talk some Buckeyes and specifically some pro days. Tim, you and I were both out at the Woody yesterday. Let's talk workouts first. We'll get into some of the stuff we heard from the Buckeyes after, but was there anything from the workouts that we saw that stood out to you? Now, for people that have never been to this event before, we're kind of pushed into a corner. So there's not a ton. We can't see everything that happens. So like the offensive line drills, for instance, were way down on the other side and there were people around. But of
0: what we could see, Tim, what stood out to you from pro day? Well, I mean, I think the – the thing that everybody's going to focus on was C.J. Stroud throwing to Jackson Smith and Jigba. That was the big ticket item. Look, I totally get people that make fun of this day too and how it's a little bit overboard and it's we're just kind of glorifying these tremendous athletes that are going out for a workout. Why would this be such a huge deal to NFL teams? But hey, man, what do I know? They're all showing up. They're all paying their way to get here. I would think most of the work's been done already, but for a guy like Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been coming off a season-long injury, I understand why that's more important for him to kind of show what his route running ability is, just the, the jitterbug element that this guy has. I think he even mentioned in uh, a quick little media session how he likes to kind of get jiggy out there. He went with the old Will Smith, so that that was nice. I liked what I saw with Jackson Smith and Jigba just with the way he was moving out there, pads or no pads. Obviously, when you put C.J. Stroud in that kind of environment, he could throw 50 balls. Maybe two of them might hit the ground because that's how good he is. So no problems there. I also thought uh, Paris Johnson Jr. screaming at the top of his lungs. You could just see how that guy works hard at every single rep. That was another thing that stood out to me. And there you go man that's probably your three first round picks at least that are solidified so those were the things that popped off the page to me Pat what about you Well
1: I like all that um I saw a few people national writers that that talked to to media member or talked to NFL people that said Paris Johnson probably was the guy who helped himself the most um that's surprising to me a little bit because I thought you know Paris did a lot of great things while he was at Ohio State uh but You know, maybe this, for a lot of people, maybe this is the first time seeing him up close and and seeing just how physically big he is and and whatnot. Guy can move, too. I will piggyback off of your C.J. Stroud thing, because, look, that was the show, right? I mean, as soon as they, they went to the throwing, everybody's eyes are on what C.J.'s doing, what the receivers are doing. I thought Jackson looked good, which was important, because, obviously, the hamstring that caused him to miss most of the season. But Marvin Harrison, Jr., may have been the most pro-ready guy on that field. And he still has another year of college to go. I mean, he just looked – we've seen some of these receivers a few years ago, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, I think Jackson maybe too, did these routes for uh, Justin Fields. And they looked good doing it. Marvin looked like this was just another day at the office. There were no nerves. I mean, he he just fits – he already could fit into – an NFL offense I think and and you saw that again he was I think the best receiver out there um the the um you know just just looking at what he was able to do I I was really impressed with him what would you make of Marvin
0: Tim Mar- Marvin's so good I mean is there anybody out there at, at all that doesn't think Marvin Harrison is sensational What did we hear Joel Klatt say? He said he thought he was going to be the best football player in the league in five years time. He was saying that as this guy was just in the middle of his true sophomore season with the Buckeyes. And you know what's interesting about that? Because, yes, everything that you just said, you know, um, most ready made guy for the pros and he's not even eligible yet. Some guys are different, right? Like I understand why the NFL wants to keep it at three years and out. Uh, three years out of high school not make any exceptions. I totally understand that. But that doesn't mean that some guys aren't elevated. Some guys aren't ready with their physicality, their body, their mind, the mental aspect. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. checks every single one of those boxes. Now, Marvin Sr. was there. That was the first time I'd gotten to talk to him. So I thought that was cool. I mean, anytime you got a Hall of Famer, the dude who you know knows what it's like to play for a Hall of Fame quarterback as well. And I asked him... Sort of uh, about the hype with his son, you know. As we all hear it, we all feel it. Everything that you just said, and Marvin Senior like didn't want to didn't want to take the bait on that. He really didn't give any thoughts at all about where this is going after next year. Which kind of maybe illustrates how they have always put in the work and not really thought too much about what's coming next. Living in the moment. I, I mean, maximizing every single season, and I think boiling it down to every single practice, every single rep. I mean, this is a guy that has an NIL deal with the jugs machine. He is out there all the time working on his craft. There's a physical aspect to it with Marvin, but maybe more importantly is the the off-the-field stuff, the willingness to want to work, the desire to work at it. And his dad also said, like, look, you you see him now. He didn't just get good like this last year. This was – this is a constant – build up process from when he was a young man the mindset and how much he's worked so I mean I I think he's like like everybody thinks at this point he is a home run he's the first wide receiver off the board next year he's probably a top five pick he might be I don't know we've had haven't we had wide receivers taken number one overall so, I mean, he, it's been a while. Top three. Uh, I know the, It seemed like the lions were taking a wide receiver top three or four every year for a while with Matt Millen, but he is going to go high. Really, really high.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, he was, he's always been impressive, but to see him in that setting with, with kind of everybody looking at him. Um, Some other guys I thought while we're, we're just touching on it. I mentioned Jackson. I thought, Zach Harrison, who didn't run the forty, and uh, we had Rob Lambert asked, "Did CJ run yesterday?" No, he did not. He was asked about it afterwards. Said he, he didn't feel like he needed to. That the film shows he's elusive when he needs to be and, and can escape the pocket, but didn't feel like this was, uh, you know, that was a necessary thing to run the forty. But uh, I thought Zach Harrison, you know, just the physicality, the the freakish athleticism that he possesses was on display with uh, some of his, his workouts, he was, you know, he, he is, he may not have been as productive at Ohio state as many people thought as a five-star recruit coming out of high school, but the, the abilities that he does have are clear when he's in these type of workouts. And I think you saw it as, his Ohio state career progressed throughout, you know, these, these last four years. Um, I think it was also noteworthy that, Literally every team was represented. Uh, you know they, they did not miss on coming out to watch these Buckeyes. And the Carolina Panthers sent 14 representatives from uh, their organization, including their head coach, their GM, and their owner, one of their owners, to watch C.J. Stroud throw. Now, if you haven't been paying attention, the Carolina Panthers have the number one overall pick. They had dinner with C.J. and his family the night before Look, Bryce Young, as we're recording this, Bryce Young's doing his pro day on on Thursday, so he'll get his chance. But I thought CJ made as good of a case as possible to be that number one overall pick. Ryan Day said it was the best workout he'd seen. And remember, Ryan Day coached in the NFL. He's coached Matt Ryan. He's coached you know, these guys at Ohio State. To say that, I think, says something. And I don't think Ryan Day was just you know saying it just to be nice to CJ. Did that look like the number one pick to you with the way he was he was throwing? I think he had four incompletions in 30-some minutes of throwing the ball around.
0: Yeah, and and Patrick, look, it's all comparative to who else is coming out in the draft. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the important thing. Does CJ feel like one of the best all-time quarterback prospects? Certainly not, no. But with everything that we've seen this guy put down on film, we've watched every single throw, you know, you and I covering this team over the last two years, and then even his long run the year before, right? His touchdown run, which was like his only play of his his first year here at Ohio State. This guy's got enough tools in the tool bag to make you feel good about him being the number one overall pick. I like him better than anybody else that's available. I like Bryce Young second, even with the lack of size, because the guy has shown – to be a playmaker and he's done it against really good competition. And we've seen short guys in the NFL. Now I don't love it that he doesn't have the height, but I'm also, I'm I'm not going to steer away from a guy who I think is a really, really good football player and a good dude because of height. But I do like the fact that CJ's got that on Bryce. And I like the, I, I like the fact that he had that Georgia game where he showed a little bit of what he wasn't showing enough throughout the course of his two year career, which was the willingness to just take what is there with his legs. And he later admitted, I thought that was really interesting, you know, after the combine, when he had the the media car wash, some of the many things that he said, that was maybe the thing that stuck out to me the most is that as much as he kind of debated and maybe that was the most abrasive we ever saw CJ. And he really is. I want to make it clear. He's not an abrasive guy at all, but as far as when he was would deal with the media, I think he just heard it so much and heard it so much, and he probably looked at the win-loss record early on and said, we're winning. like We're not even in in close games. I am better as a pocket passer, so I want to keep my eyes down the field. Maybe he thought that that was his best way of proving to the NFL folks how I will throw the football. I don't need to like put myself at risk by running and taking hits because I can get the ball delivered through the air even when a play breaks down. I understand some of that, but when he later admitted that he needs to do that and it's part of being a football player, even at the next level, I thought that was something. But I- I'm with you, man. The Panthers really, really opened it up here. It-, it certainly feels like he's the number one overall pick. And that would be cool, right? Because that's sort of the sort of the last straw here. Ohio State's seen it all, done it all, put guys into the pros, smashed first rounders. You know what that, you know, 2006 and then the 2016 draft where they just have, I think it was six in each of those first rounds, but looking for that number one overall pick once again, haven't had it since the pancake man, since Orlando pace. And that is an awful long time. Certainly feels like, and this sort of like, it doesn't seal the deal because CJ's got to then go to the NFL and be something. But as far as trying to accomplish having that quarterback that makes it in the league, looks like Justin Fields will finally be that guy. But to have a number one overall pick that then goes out and becomes that QB that you've been looking for, we could put the posters all over the place in the Woody and CJ, hopefully you'll still be doing it and leading a franchise 10 years from now and maybe beyond. And that would be awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, look, if he's not number
1: one, he may go number two. He could go number four. Uh, yeah. so number two is the Texans. Number four is uh, I believe the Colts. There's uh, the, what, Vegas is seven or eight, and Atlanta's in there as well. So, I mean, it seems almost assured he will be top 10, if not higher than that. So, and re- you've, you said it earlier, you've got Paris Johnson, who's probably going to be somewhere in that top 15 range, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I thought this plus what he did at Pro Day really helped him, or at the Combine, excuse me, really helped him show, look, I'm healthy, I'm ready to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll see some other guys from there. I think, you know, Zach Harrison, I mentioned earlier, you're going to have some of the defensive guys drafted. I thought Tanner McAllister, just Tanner McAllister working out with no shirt on was impressive. The guy has a maybe a 12-pack and looks just ripped. He ran well. Um, you know, these guys will – I think almost all of these guys are going to come off the board. We'll see, like, where a guy like Mitch Rossi fits in in the NFL – if it's not with the San Francisco 49ers, because that seems like a perfect fit to me to to go in there and be that Kyle Juszczyk type of guy. Uh, I, one, talk,
0: I talked to him yesterday. If, uh, if folks want to listen to my uh, podcast from yesterday for the Buckeye show, I had a nice three or four minutes with Mitch Rossi. The media wasn't swarming around old Mitch, but, man, I, I think people here in this forum and people that have loved Buckeye football really appreciate that guy. And what a what a cool story. Right. And he allowed Ohio State to finally play some more traditional formations where you just haven't seen that in the longest time. And to get out there in the power, eye, like fans really love that stuff. And for him to be versatile between, you know, moving around in the box from a fullback, he could even just take a get up in a a straight running back formation, play the tight end. I. I would not be shocked if this guy winds up getting an opportunity in the NFL. Maybe not get drafted, but certainly wouldn't be surprised. He's definitely going to a camp. That's a given. Yeah. I'm talking about making it in the league. I, I think there could be a chance for him with you know being that throwback, fullback style of player. I agree. Um, I always think
1: it's interesting the way that fans look at these combine pro days. We have threads on our message board from yesterday about how guys hurt themselves or did it. I think sometimes there's an overemphasis on these type of things. Like, look, CJ could probably lock up the number one pick potentially with the way he throws, based on how he did. Jackson needed to show that he was healthy. But I think a lot of these guys, their film is what the the coaches, the the scouts, everybody is looking at, not necessarily what they do in you know tights and a t-shirt on an indoor field when there's not football being played. So I think sometimes we overanalyze like decisions not to run or, you know, the decision to run. And if that, if that affects you, um, I think it's just a piece of the puzzle. And I don't think it's as big of a piece as maybe some people think. Ultimately, these guys need to be able to play football. You want to test well, obviously, especially if, if, you know, you're a guy who's maybe lower down, but ultimately what's, what's going, you're going to be drafted on what you did on the football field. And I think that's the most important thing not what you did at the combine or at pro day. And I feel like this time of year, we kind of forget what these guys did on the field, three, four, five years in college, whatever it may be. So look, we're, yeah. we're talking about it now, so maybe yeah, we're the a problem, but I don't know. I, I do think it gets a little bit overemphasized.
0: I'm I'm just really excited. I, I know you love the draft too, Pat, but yeah. I, I think it is, it is the greatest sporting event that is not a game. Yeah. Next for me, right up next to selection Sunday. I love that too. That is one of my favorite days in sports with the conference tournaments ending. And then the bracket release of the greatest event in sports, in my opinion. But other than that, I'm like, you know, you're a champions league guy. Maybe you enjoy the draw, the show that they put on for that. That's pretty exciting. Right. But the NFL draft, I mean, my God, it's in the offseason, but they've done such a good job with that. Credit to them, man. It's it's one of our favorite sports in America. It sort of feels like our, our America's pastime now, and they just make that damn thing such a big deal. They dress it up. They've moved it around to different cities. I think that was a brilliant decision by them to let other fan bases across the country sort of feel like they're more of a party of it. I still remember when that thing was in Nashville and then even Philly too, just some of the, the part, just the swarms of people, even Cleveland, you know, it, it's, it was a great idea. I love the draft. It seems like we we really do have a shot at this thing as Buckeye fans to see the number one overall pick go off the board. But yet you also don't know that for sure. So no. there's going to be a lot of anticipation and a lot of excitement going up to April 27 for that Thursday first rounder to see if you do get those three Buckeyes Will CJ be the number one overall pick? Because that's really the – and then if he's not, then, yeah, second, fourth. Like, is there a slide? There's always that opportunity. I'm, uh, I'm starting to feel like like I'm just a talking version of the movie Draft Day now with Kevin Costner with, with everything that can happen. But either way, it's it's fun. I, I can't wait for it. Yeah, the, the one thing
1: – first of all, the NFL does a great job of staying relevant all year round. I think it's the only sports league in the world that has successfully done that. Um, The one thing about the draft is once we get to Saturday and those later rounds and you're getting the guys talking about like what they ate for lunch and that's when I'm like, all right, let's get these Ohio State guys done. I don't need to sit here and watch this anymore. But
0: the first night- I'm a first-round guy. I'm a first-round guy, Pat. Sorry to divulge that, but as far as the made-for-TV aspect, I am not- I am unless I'm working, you know, unless I'm working, getting paid to do some things, that would be a great job. Right. I mean, unbelievable gig if you're working around the clock for the NFL draft and, you know, just thinking and speaking about football the whole time. But as a viewer, I'll give you that first round. I think that's what they want out of you. The rest of that, I will get the up to minute, you know, things. I'll have the pings for my team, you know, what Washington might be picking, and then where these Buckeyes are going. And then maybe I'll go back and watch some of that stuff because it'll be taped and you can see like the snippets of what they're saying and all that. If there's anything fun, but that a hey, credit credit to you guys out there if you're crazy enough to watch the entire NFL draft from Thursday all the way through the end of Saturday. Woo, it's a lot, but it's fun.
1: Um, Tim, you mentioned Selection Sunday. I want to. I don't want to leave you without some basketball talk here as we sure. head into the Sweet 16 as we're recording this Thursday. How's your bracket looking?
0: Bracket's okay, right? I mean, would you consider having three of your four Final Fours still alive okay? That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I would. So, I, I and I took a, a shot with Duke. It wasn't really one of the massive upsets that pinched me. It was... Sort, I wouldn't say Duke was under the radar, but still you're picking a five seed and you understand that the ACC wasn't terrific this year, but they were starting to hit their stride with a lot of really good young NBA type dudes. So it's a gamble when you're going with younger guys. We've seen how that's kind of run out of gas for, for Calipari, unless you've got like those really insanely high end NBA dudes like the Anthony Davis types. Calipari has not been striking it very big in the NCAA tournament, and that's why he's likely going to be done there. So, you know, I went with Duke, and they're the one that, that got knocked off. I was surprised to see Tennessee handle them the way that they did, but uh, credit to the SEC and what Tennessee has been. They lost a key guy to injury, and it doesn't seem to matter. Ziegler's out, but they still seem to be a really dominant physical team, and Rick Barnes certainly knows what he's doing. He's. I actually looked at him in the the little, like, glossy media guide. Rick Barnes is up there with the the most tournament appearances of all time. Like, it's crazy, right? Like, that that Rick Barnes, he's up there in the top ten for most tournament appearances all time. But the bracket's okay, so I've got Bama, even though I hate to say it, uh, Texas, Bama, and UCLA just missing out on Duke. As far as the games today, man, uh, K-State and Michigan State, You got Tom Izzo trying to clean up the mess for the entire Big Ten conference again. That is a big-time game. Uh, Arkansas, UConn, I'm in one of these survivor pools as well where you get extra credit for the seed points if you pick a higher seed, so I'm kind of honing in on Arkansas. I just, again, kind of going with the SEC and seeing how they've been the conference that's been a little bit ahead of everybody else. They're a really good team, and they took some lumps in the middle of the season with how they built their roster, but I mean, they just knocked off Kansas. So I would be worried if I was a UConn fan. And, you know, you got the FAU guys going again today against the Vols and then Gonzaga and UCLA. You got to rewatch that Jalen Suggs buzzer beater in the pandemic yep. tournament if you haven't rewatched that today. That's just pure tournament bliss. Uh, what a shot. What a game that was in the final four years back.
1: You mentioned the Big Ten, and let's we'll, we'll end on this one with, with you. What do you make – I mean, this is not a new thing for the Big Ten. They haven't won the tournament, which is a hard thing to do. Only one team wins every year since, what, 2000? Is that right? When Michigan State won? Mateen Cleaves and Michigan State. It's yeah. sad, man.
0: It's what sad. Do you,
1: what do you make of this? I mean, look, the, the conference every year, we hear how deep it is, how good it is. We see the talent in this conference when when with Ohio State and the teams that they play. Obviously, the style of play plays a part. Um, I saw people on Twitter talking about how it's officiated different in the Big Ten. What's your take as a a guy who watches a lot of basketball? Why can't the Big Ten represent well in the tournament?
0: I, I think both of those things that you mentioned plays a part in it. The way that the league is officiated, and the slower style of play. Also, hear me out on this. I think you know you see this specifically with Purdue, but even other teams, there have been some very Nice, dominant college basketball bigs, but they have not been the type of athlete to really go on and crush it in the pros. You can even go with, I'll give Luca his chance, but Luca didn't walk into the NBA and it wasn't some stud, right? Like I mentioned Anthony Davis before, nobody like that. You got these Purdue bigs. None of them have really made it. And again, I get it you're going for success in college basketball. I understand that. But at the same time, those bigs have not really translated to success in the NCAA tournament. So that's why I'm mentioning just the overall talent of the player. When I look at the next level, I usually try to keep it in college basketball because that's what we're trying to win at. I don't know how good of a pro Hunter Dickinson is going to be. Did I mention Kofi Coburn yet? Just a big plodding big who can't shoot free throws. that's just been a lot of a lot of what the Big Ten has been and then when you combine that with style of play the way it's officiated randomness too you got to throw that out there it's also very random and not always are the best teams going through Purdue had that run to the Elite Eight when I thought it made more sense because they had an unbelievable scoring guard in Carson Edwards and when they had him and they still couldn't make it, obviously they had Jaden Ivey here for the last couple of years. They still couldn't make it. Those are the types of players I think you need to have pumped up. It's the guards. Like I'll, I'll go with that. It's the teams that have dynamic guards that can defend multiple positions and they can score it well. Those are the teams, you know, likely enough that will last it and, in and defense too. Like you got to have these guys that are two way players and really, really good defensive teams. There's been some upper echelon Big Ten teams. We're one of them here lately that have just sort of abandoned defense. Iowa, obviously, is one of them. Uh, Illinois has struggled with defense at times. So it, it stinks, man. It's time to stop making excuses, though. I mean, you, it, the one thing is you can't call yourself the best basketball league. I'm done with that. Like, it's it's one of the best basketball leagues. Obviously, it's a Power Five league. They send tons of teams to the tournament. They're good teams, clearly. Like, they're good basketball teams in there. On their best day, they can beat one of the best teams in the country. We've seen them do it in the regular season. But if you continue to fall so short in the biggest event that we have that decides our champion at the end, you got to stop calling yourself the best league every single year. Like, what are we? Right. what are we saying? The SEC is the best. Or the Big East or the Big 12 is the best. SEC, Big 12, Big East. And that stinks because the Big East got plucked apart. That's kind of embarrassing because they were just the Catholic seven for a while. They had to reconfigure their whole league. Georgetown has fallen off the map. You've been doing this. I mean, Butler wasn't good this year, but you've been pumping up Butler. You've been pumping up Xavier, some of these former mid-major programs. And they've even been having better success than you. So it's time to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Real quick, I wrote
1: something this week about how with what Ohio State's guard play was late in the season, perhaps that sets them up, plus some of the the versatility that they've got in terms of what they can do in the post. Could you see if this team bounces back and has a year that, you know, if this year becomes an anomaly, next year is back to the Buckeyes being a tournament team, does it does the roster set up well, you think, maybe for the Buckeyes to be a team that can make a run with Bruce Thornton and, and Roddy yes.
0: Gale and, yeah. and whatnot? Especially, man, I mean, we don't want to think about Bryce coming back just yet, but if he does, that would be it'd be unbelievable, right? But yes, yes, just with what you saw with Bruce Thornton and Roddy Gale, that is what I'm talking about. Like, that's the kind of backbone that you need, and with Roddy showing that he could knock down threes like yeah. that at that clip, and we've seen him drive it, too, to the basket, so you could possibly have two guards that could play off of each other that way, and I I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves too though because Ohio State clearly has a lot more to prove. Like I'm I'm not going to gift them a run to the Sweet 16 when we've never seen this coaching staff go to the Sweet 16 anymore. They got to prove that. They got to do that again. Some of it's randomness. You can get matched up against a good team, but it'll be on them to set themselves up with a better seed because they've always, you know, it's getting to the second round that does mean you're one win away, you know, and again, tournament randomness. But if you're getting matched up against a two-seed in Villanova in that second round, that becomes increasingly more difficult to get that win. So it's on you to finally push through those tough games in mid-February and then into early March and not let that, you know, three-game losing streak happen or that stretch where you lose four out of five. That'll be paramount. To not let that happen, even go back and forth for a bit, I'd be okay with that. With win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, but but try to avoid stacking losses late. Hopefully, all this experience for these young guys will help with that next season. I hope so.
1: Yeah, for sure. I like what we saw from them in the tournament, in the Big Ten tournament, though. I thought that was that was promising. All right, Timmy, get out of here. I'm glad we could get some hoops talk in for you. Thank you. Uh, good to, good to see you yesterday. We, we, we say this every time but we we need to get together soon hopefully once these sports slow down
0: absolutely man we'll listen right. to drop kick Murphy's all of it yep all absolutely. of it what's what what's the other Irish rock group besides uh, flogging yeah. Mollys yeah. 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 yeah those are the two patty and the rats now we've talked about so they we'll listen to all of them it'll be great all right. it's a date thanks for coming on Tim I do appreciate it all right everybody see you
1: that was Timmy Hall from 97.1 The Fan. If you missed any of uh, – if, if you're watching this live, if you missed anything, Timmy and I talked about pro day yesterday. We were both out there at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center and C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and, and all those guys. Then uh, we, we hit on some hoop stuff. It's hard to not talk hoops during hoop season when Tim's on here, even if the Buckeyes aren't playing as they are right now. Tim just loves his his basketball. I'm a big basketball guy. Tim is one of the more knowledgeable college basketball people, as, as you just heard. So thanks for talking about that with me there, Timmy. Let's get back into football, though, because I want to talk about the Buckeyes and, and spring practice and kind of looking ahead here. And I want to focus in. We, we've done some different position groups here. as we kind of made our way through the spring. And, and I want to look at the secondary for this group, because I think if you're looking at questions, you've obviously got the quarterback on offense the offensive line, if they get those two things right, the offense should be close to what it was last year, or at least around there. But on defense, it's, okay, what does year two of Jim Knowles look like, and how do the Buckeyes get this secondary fixed and get back to playing that that type of football? Because we thought we saw it for most of last year. You look at the numbers, Ohio State, number 26 in the country in pass defense, yards per game not bad especially from a team that I think was just inside the top 60 or something the year before so you thought you saw improvements there and then you get towards the end of the season and Ohio State starts to play some legitimate quarterbacks some some eventually really good quarterbacks and the numbers start to change a little bit Maryland Ohio State on the road there they won 43 to 30 so this isn't a game that gets talked about a lot because Buckeyes end up winning, but. 318 passing yards and if you remember uh tag the the younger of the tag got hurt in that game had to leave uh briefly now his backup only threw one pass but completed it for 25 yards so look you give up 318 of 402 yards they stopped the run against maryland but maryland threw all over the buckeyes and that's not a school yes they've got some weapons They've got a quarterback who is going to be an NFL guy, most likely. I don't know. He's not his brother, but he's talented. So they've got some guys. And and, and it wouldn't have surprised me had I had you asked me going into the game. Okay, well, will they give up some passing yards? Yeah, they give up a little bit, but I didn't expect 318 yards. And, And that's when I walked out of that game. And I remember talking with Steve Hellwagon about this as we left. Like, that's a little concerning. Like, that was the first time I was legitimately concerned about the secondary i thought you know obviously with the injuries and whatnot there had been some some bumps in the road but you had that game then obviously you have the michigan game 300 or 278 passing yards given up to jj mccarthy uh well all but 15 of them were to jj mccarthy also threw three touchdowns now there were busted coverage things like that, that that played into some big plays but the numbers still count, and, and those are part of the issues that we're talking about that need to get fixed. And then, obviously, you get to the Georgia game, and that's you're know, playing Stetson Bennett, who of those three quarterbacks, I don't know what he's going to be in the NFL, but the guy's a national champion. He's obviously talented. 398 yards, three touchdowns. Obviously, I think the play that stands out to most people was the 70-plus yards uh, through the air on, on one play where if you can just force Georgia to drive the field, then we're talking about maybe the Buckeyes have Georgia not having enough time to come back and win that game. Buckeyes going to the national championship against TCU doesn't happen because you give up that, not just because, but one of the big reasons you give up that big pass play. So let's look ahead and look at what the Buckeyes have coming back. We'll start with the corners. This is a group that not a lot of depth for the second year in a row, but some talent now Denzel Burke, we expect to be, the starter at that position. Uh, he's a guy, you know, he'll be a third-year starter, a guy who's probably thinking NFL draft after this next season, battled that hand wrist injury last year. But look, he didn't have a good season. I think he'd be the first to tell you that, that it had to be better. There were better moments as he progressed, but if he's going to be the Buckeyes' number one cornerback, you've got to be better than that. We, I mean, you guys know the list of top cornerbacks that have come through this program. Denzel Burke, good freshman year, hasn't built on that. In his sophomore year, he's going to be important to take that next step. Then then there's a question. Jordan Hancock's a guy we heard a lot about. He never really materialized last year as as a legitimate corner after coming back from from an injury that happened in fall camp. Can he, with a full offseason, hopefully he stays healthy, can he be that guy? Guy I'm really interested in in terms of a starting cornerback. Davis Enigmanosan, the Ole Miss transfer guy who played his freshman season last year in the SEC, played a good amount. And we walked into the first day of spring practice, and Davis Enigmanosan is wearing number 20, which is the number – C or uh, Sonny Styles, the safety wore last year. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, he looked I, – I had the two confused because if you've seen Sonny Styles, the guy is – I mean, just physically looks like he could be playing in the NFL right now with, with how big and, and just built he is. Uh, Davis Enigma Noson listed on the roster. I'm pulling it up here. Um, I, he is, he's listed at six foot 203 on the w- online roster. Actually, I have the roster they handed out here. Let's see what they listed him on here six foot two, 187. So a little bit taller little bit leaner than than they initially listed him. This is a guy who I'm really excited about for the Buckeyes. He's a guy who has experiences I mentioned in the SEC, but he's just built differently than most cornerbacks I can remember coming through Ohio State. I mean, if we're just gonna look through these cornerbacks, you know, you've got Jordan Hancock six one, Denzel Burke six one, Jair Brown five eleven, Jermaine Matthews five eleven, Ryan Turner five eleven. Six foot two, it just – when you guys see this guy out there, and, and I assume you will in the spring game, you can tell there's there's just – he's just different. And I think that can be a, a huge advantage for the Buckeyes. They weren't going to promise him a starting spot, but it would surprise me if a kid who was able to hold his own in the SEC last year isn't at least in that top three. And I would have to think the top two of those corners uh, – you know, I think he can help this defense. Assuming he continues to develop and, and everything goes according to plan, can help this defense take its next step in terms of the secondary. Be that be one of these shutdown guys. I mean, his length. You know, I listed the sizes there of the other guys, the heights of the other guys. His length is is different for going against some of these top receivers. Uh, you know, you've got to throw the ball differently against a six foot two corner than you do against a five eleven guy because he obviously he's taller, but his arms and, and the reach and everything, you've got to get it over that. So I think this could be a, a player that, you know, that from the transfer portal that, that really makes a difference for the Buckeyes. I, I talked, I mentioned some of the other, the younger guys there, Jair Brown, sophomore, Jermaine Matthews, freshman, Ryan Turner, sophomore. We'll see if any of these guys can get into a legitimate role, as I said, there's not a ton of depth there. And we saw last year when the Buckeyes had to kind of roll some, some guys due to injuries, we saw some young guys get an opportunity. You hope that the, they stay healthy in those top three of Burke Hancock and Ignosen can, can just be the guys. Um, I'm not thrilled about the depth. I think, you know, these young guys will come along, but you, you, you know, you're, you're asking a lot of the uh, guys that haven't done a lot if they have to step in and, and play. Uh, and you know, this year you're, you're going to be tested a bit more with some of the teams on the schedule. So this secondary has to take a step. As I mentioned, I think Davis and is a guy who can help do that. If you look at the safety spot um, you have some guys you have to replace. Ronnie Hickman's gone. Tanner McAllister's gone. Uh, you do get Lathan Ransom back, which which is good. They need to figure out what Lathan Ransom's role is going to be between the three positions there. the The assumption is that Jihad Carter, who is another transfer, came from Syracuse, will be that nickel spot that Tanner McAllister vacated. Then, like I was saying about Davis and Igbinosin, Jihad Carter. Built differently than what we saw from Tanner McAllister. I think Tanner McAllister is 5'11, 5'10, something like that. Um, I he just measured at the pro day yesterday, so he's right around there. Jihad Carter, six foot coming from Syracuse, had had a good career at Syracuse. So if he does end up playing that slot corner, that nickelback position, he's a guy who could could change the way they do things at that spot. Now he also has the the possibility of playing really all over. Um, he can play any of those positions if needed. But I think that's where where they're pegging him for. You're going to need a guy to replace Ronnie Hickman, who look, I think Ronnie Hickman had a very inconsistent last year. I'm surprised that he decided to head to the NFL after a season like that, even though he had a very good season two years ago. I think his mind was made up even heading into the year that look, this was gonna be his last season, and you know, wish him nothing but the best. But this gives an opportunity for someone like I mentioned earlier, Sonny Styles. Can he be that guy? You've got Josh Proctor coming back, a guy with more experience. But I've said this before on this show and others, Sonny Styles has to get on the field. I think there's an opportunity there. He was a guy they were already starting to trust at the end of last season. And Sonny Styles, six foot four, two hundred and twenty-two pounds. Huge. I mean, that's just—he's just a freak. If you watched him in high school, if you saw him at all last year, you know he—he he can be a difference maker on this defense i think he's got to be a guy that's on the field other guys i mentioned josh proctor court williams a guy who actually i just ran into him out shopping the other day his arm's still in a sling after having surgery during uh during the season where does he fit in can he get healthy he's been a guy that's been hurt a lot um a guy that when healthy gives you a lot of athleticism uh cam martinez another guy how does how does he fit in? I think he'll battle with Jahad Carter for that that slot spot. Um, he's you know s- still kind of an athlete playing in the secondary. If he can figure it out and like what he offers, but build-wise, he's more of that Tanner McAllister. We just haven't seen it come together for, for Cameron Martinez yet. Kai Stokes is another guy I know Buckeye fans are excited about after seeing him in the spring game last year. Didn't play a ton last year, a lot of backup stuff, but he's going to be... In the mix for kind of that deep safety position, uh, I I know that there's not been a big rotation in the secondary, but I wonder if there is some more of that. If you have three safety spots and four guys that that are contending to be starters, can you find a way to get you know if you have Sunny Styles, you have Lathan Ransom, you have Jihad Carter, and you know just for an example, you have Kai Stokes. We'll just say you could pick whoever you want there. But if you have that fourth guy who shows enough that he could be starting, how do you get him on the field? And I think it's going to be interesting. Ryan Day said the other day, and I, I want to learn more about this. When we talk to the secondary coaches, I want to ask about this. They said that they, they've kind of they, – they changed Tim Walton's role as his title, and they're they're having the defensive backs meet together more as opposed to cornerbacks and safeties. So I will be interested to see how that works. Maybe guys are, are able to move around a little bit more. Uh, what was the reasoning behind that? Ryan Day touched on it a little bit, but I'd like, I'd like to get some more understanding of, of why that was needed. I think, obviously, the results, as I mentioned at the top of this, the results weren't there. Um, the, you know the, They did not play well in the biggest games of the year in the secondary. So, obviously, you needed to do something. I don't think they were going to ever fire Tim Walton or Perry Eliano after just one season, Uh, but you do need to, you need to do something to get this better. And it's not just, well, let's try again year two. No. So having these guys meet together, I think helps everybody be on the same page, speak the same language. Uh, I think that's an interesting idea. I do want to hear more about it and then, you know, see maybe after spring how this is all working in terms of that, that strategy. If, if the Buckeye secondary, isn't a big step forward because we saw the linebackers play well last year. The defensive line—you could see more out of it, but still played well enough. I think the secondary is what has to take the big leap this year. And I feel like we've said this a lot in recent season, recent off seasons about this group. But I think there's talent there. You know, I mentioned the two transfer guys. I think those are both upgrades. I think bringing in a guy like Sonny Styles now with a year of experience. Remember, he should be coming in now. He reclassified, uh, skipped his senior year of high school at, in Pickerington. So now he's got a year of experience. He's played some. How do you get him on the field to to use his abilities? Um, And then what do you do with some of those other guys? I think those are all going to be very important questions to get this defense right. And look, if this defense is just that much better against the top teams, if, if they had taken a little bit further of a step, maybe been able to help get some stops, you're talking about a team that probably figures out a way to beat Michigan. You're talking about a team that you know, even if maybe they don't end up playing Georgia, but whoever they play in the playoffs, is probably more equipped to deal with what you see in that that passing attack at that level. So, I think that's the biggest thing on defense for the Buckeyes. You obviously have to get the quarterback and the offensive line figured out, as I mentioned. But if they can get that defense figured out, that secondary in particular, with the guys they have, I think you're uh, I think you're looking at, at what can be a very good defense with the rest of them there. Uh, a couple quick questions here. Um, Sue, I saw that you popped in late. Sorry about that. We did put it out on on social media and on uh, on the message boards there. asking about Mitch Rossi. Uh, I would assume he did impress some scouts yesterday. We Tim and I were talking about him earlier, asking if he's gonna get drafted. Look, it's hard for a guy like that. I think he's not a true tight end in the sense of like a guy who's gonna go out and catch passes for you a blocking tight end, you know, maybe in the later rounds, um, the the kind of comparison that that I've made and I've heard other people make is like a Kyle check in San Francisco. And I think San Francisco could be a great fit for him if, if they're interested. They, you know, that's a guy, that's a team that uses the run game, uses, still uses a fullback, gets the fullback involved in the run the pass game. A lot of things that the Buckeyes did there uh, the last year with Mitch Rossi and I don't know if everyone remembers this, but before Ryan Day was on the Ohio State staff, he was a member of the San Francisco 49ers coaching staff. So things have changed in San Francisco since then, but obviously he he knows that organization. Just saying, that could, that could be a good fit. Um, and then Mike Schaefer asks if the spring game will be an actual game. Um, I think so. Ryan Day hasn't said, we are going to get the chance, and, and this hasn't happened in quite some time, we're going to get a chance to watch... Ohio State scrimmage on Saturday, which will be very interesting. Obviously, we'll have coverage from that. Now, they may restrict exactly what we're able to talk about publicly after that. The NFL does that a lot. And, and Ryan Day did it early on in fall camp. Uh, I think his first year as a head coach, where like there are certain things you can and can't talk about. You know, you can't necessarily like, you know, jot down every formation and, and kind of lay that out, things like that, that they don't want out there. Spring ball. So maybe they'll be a bit more relaxed with, with what we can and can't uh, print or or talk about on these podcasts. But so that'll be interesting. And I think that'll give us some idea, but to your question, Ryan, they hasn't said about the spring game yet. I'm not even sure if they've had those conversations. I think a lot of times what goes into that is how healthy the team is. You know, are you able to actually field two full teams? Um, You know, obviously there's some rotation there in terms of guys can, can switch teams in a spring game, but I think that you, you know, you, you don't want to go out there and, and just not have enough guys on either side of the ball. So I think some of it will depend on how they come through spring practice. They don't have a ton of injuries right now. I think there's nine guys that were out at the beginning and we haven't heard a ton about other injuries. So I would assume you, you mentioned, Mike, the, the quarterback competition. I think that would be the best way. And and Ryan Day's talked a lot this offseason about putting these guys in situations to compete not just the quarterbacks, but the whole team. Obviously, a game-like setting is more more uh, relevant for something like that. You want these quarterbacks to experience that, especially a guy like Devin Brown. I think also you you need to see what it's like for Brian Hartline calling plays. If you're going to go that route come the fall, I still feel like Ryan Day is going to end up being the play caller this year, but they're trying to set Brian Hartline up to experience some of that that would be a great game setting to do that in. Kevin Wilson has been uh, – you know, I think last year Kevin Wilson and Jim Knowles were the two head coaches of the, of this, of the team. So we'll see how they break it down. Um, we'll certainly let you guys know when, when they make an official announcement. But I would be surprised if healthy and, and everything falls into place if they don't have you know, an actual spring game game and, and not some of the offense versus defense or some of the things we've seen in the past. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. Um, another edition of the Bucknuts Happy Hour in the Book. For those of you who tuned in live, thank you. Uh, we always appreciate your comments and, and when you tune in. For those listening or watching later, you're just as appreciated. I realize it's the middle of the day on a Thursday. Not everybody can tune in for the happy hour, but that's why we put it on the po- as a podcast. You can listen to it later. Thanks for Timmy Hall for coming on. If you missed anything with him, We talked pro day, CJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr., who won't be going pro yet, but looked like a pro at the whack yesterday. Um, And then we dove into some March Madness. Then we talked some, and then I talked some secondary. So if you missed anything, and you were were tuning in live, this will be on our YouTube page, on anywhere you get your podcast. Please like, subscribe. Um, especially on the YouTube page we just put up a ton of videos from interviews from Thursday with defensive and offensive lineman Justin Fry Larry Johnson so there's already some good stuff on there we'll have plenty more if you're not a bucknut subscriber already I strongly encourage it look it's not just recruiting we have a lot of good stuff on there for VIP members you also get access to the entire 247 sports network right so there's a lot of stuff there if, if you're interested in other teams are some of our national riders things like that uh, it's it's, it's a good resource if you're a big Buckeye fan, uh, football and basketball. Our, our national basketball guys do a great job. We try and stay up to date on everything Buckeyes as well. So anyway, if you missed it off the top, I'm drinking water today. Have to go work out later, so didn't want to be slugging beers. But as always, thank you, Buckeye fans. Thanks, Bucknutters, and uh, Cheers. <laughs>